Achibenapte. We went to the Pride Parade, marched with the Dragon Dads. Well, I should say, I'm old and fat. I don't march. I walked <gasps> at my highest pace down the road next to the trailer huh. on which my wife and two sons were on. It was a big turnout, right? 70,000 people. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool. I was going to sit in at the Dragon Dad's booth at the festival, but my brain just got blown out the backside of my skull. The route was something like three miles, and there were people screaming and cheering the entire way. So by the time I got to the end, I'm like, uh, fuck this shit. We got to go home now. <laughs> but I'll be working a booth at a much smaller event here on the 25th. That's awesome. It's just something I feel is important and feel passionate about. So I want to show up when and where I can. Yeah. It's not just about supporting queer people. It's about making a better world for everyone because if we can get beyond the silly things that we lock on to to divide us, then in general that would probably make the world better. That would be good. It's hard for me to relate to the vast majority of humanity, but two of my children are queer. Yeah, I can relate to my kids and by extension a larger group of people like the queer community community. Right. It's like you're using charity that starts at home to then apply it to a broader audience. I think the vast majority of people, until something becomes personal to them, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. If this is affecting somebody that I know and I care about, it's affecting other people as well. That's right. The Dragon Dads group started back in 2015, 2016, basically as a couple of Mormon dads who wanted to stick up for their queer kids. I don't know if you ever heard about about the 2015 exclusionary policy that the Mormon church came up with. No, I don't know anything about it. Any children of people who are in a relationship other than man, woman, P and V would not be allowed to be baptized. Once they were 18, the only way they would be allowed to do that is if they disavowed their parents' practices. Wow. And it pissed off a lot of people. In fact, on the day it was announced or the next day, like a thousand people lined up in front of the temple slash convention center slash church office building and resigned in mass because it was such a big thing. Wow. And then I think it was a year and a half later or two years later, they reversed the policy. Nice. But they didn't really reverse the policy because what they nice. said was, we're going to let the individual bishops decide if they're going to enforce that or not. Oh, it's a bit like government, how they farm it out to the states, isn't it? Yeah, they farmed it out. And again, going back to the very first episode I did with you, you know, about the leadership roulette, where it depends on who your bishop is. He might be somebody who's chill with stuff that would piss off somebody born and raised in Utah Valley, or you might have a really hardcore Mormon who's like, no, we have to follow the letter of the law and the spirit of law. We're going to kick you out. So it didn't actually improve anything. No. They actually read the policy in church back in 2015. Oh, wow. They made a whole church service out of it. Well, no, it wasn't a church service. Oftentimes what they do is the first presidency would send out a letter and the letter would have to be read in church. Now, if I recall correctly, this one was read in adult Sunday school, mainly I suspect so that the kids didn't hear it. Oh. Because, you know, by that time the kids were already going, hey, this is bullshit. Right. <laughs> so I remember 
when they read that, my wife had to grab my leg and push down on it physically so I did not stand up and say, this is fucking bullshit right. and storm out of the room. How was she feeling about those issues at the time? She was doing the very typical Mormon thing where she was saying, well, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it, but God has a reason. Right, yeah. The messaging that the church tagged with it, it was that they were doing it so families wouldn't be torn apart. Isn't that some double talk right there? It is some double talk and they are actually yeah. right because a lot of families went, okay, fuck you, and the whole family left. Yeah. So They went torn apart. You know, <laughs> exactly. And that's when I just started completely checking out at church. Yeah. You know, just not paying attention, not engaging in any way because I just couldn't. Hey, Brother Benjamin, thanks for joining us. Can you just like clap your hands so we can check it? Oh, that sounds really good. Your rhythm sucks donkey balls, but yeah, it sounds fine. <laughs> uh, that was the donkey ball rhythm I was doing. Uh, I, oh, good God. If you were a true music fan, you'd know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. yeah, donkey balls. That was the uh, second album by the <laughs> little known group, the Tijuana Girly Show. <laughs> yeah, Southern California punk band. That's mm -hmm. right. Yep. The Tijuana Girly Show. Yeah. Is that a real band? No, Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> patience, no. I bet if you Googled it, I bet there really is a van. I don't know if it was just an Arizona thing, because Arizona is just north of Mexico, but there used to be this urban myth, I don't know if it's real or not, about donkey shows down in Tijuana, where women would fuck donkeys in front of people. Why would they want to? For money. Oh, for money. That was where that connection came from in my head. That is not something I think almost anyone would want to see. But I guess maybe there's a market for it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Certainly not anything that gets my motor running, but... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that cranks your gears. <laughs> exactly. Of course, stories of horse-like creatures fucking women goes back centuries. Mm. Catherine the Great is the one that comes to mind, but I don't think she actually fucked it. I think that's probably just... No, it was just rumors. It was just rumors. That was anti- Catherine propaganda. Mm -hmm. That's right. It was anti-Catherine propaganda. Gods would become all sorts of animals and come down to seduce women. Zeus came down as a swan. Loki became a female horse. Ooh. Uh, let's see. Odin made a bet with another god or demigod that he could build a wall. I think it was around <laughs> Asgard to protect it. His name was Donald Trump. No, he had a magic horse that would help him build the wall. So Odin talked to Loki. He said, you've got to disrupt this somehow. So Loki became a female horse. Gender bending horses. This is great. Was it a unicorn? <laughs> it was just a regular horse. But Loki, as a female horse, ran and distracted this magic horse. And nine months later, Loki came back with a nine-legged horse that was his offspring. <laughs> Was it eight-legged or nine-legged? I don't know. But a uh, multi-legged horse who then became... Where's the ninth leg, Giants? You know where it's at. And that horse became Odin's mount. Not the way Loki and the horse mounted, but his riding horse. I so want to plug into one of those AI image generators, nine-legged horse, and just see <laughs> what it There you go. I sense some artwork. <laughs> We're going to be reading some mythology today. No, okay. I think no, mythology no, no, no. is no. a bit of a stretch for it. Yes, though. exactly. <laughs> mythology actually, you know, has some interesting elements to it. This has no interesting elements to it. This is such a tiny, insignificant portion of the Book of Mormon that even if the stories of the Book of Mormon somehow made it into mythology. It will one day in a thousand years' time. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> or this particular book's not going to be in there, I guarantee I'm you. Probably not. 
nuts. It doesn't say anything useful at all. No. So it does mention King Benjamin a lot and how he had a lot of strength and it says it multiple times just because it yep. likes to repeat itself. The words of Mormon is the tie-in for the replacement of the 116 pages into the rest of the Book of Mormon. He has to say King Benjamin a lot because King Benjamin is the character who's going to appear in the next book. Ah. So he's like, oh, I'm going to prophesy and talk about this guy so you think that I know what I'm talking about, I guess. Yeah, it's like if you're partway through making a movie and you realize the plot doesn't make any goddamn sense <laughs> and you're like, I got to put a voiceover <laughs> on this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or no one's going to understand what's going on. So this is like the book equivalent of a voiceover. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes shows with voiceovers are good. I don't really mind it if it's done well. This is a shitty voiceover <laughs> in a shitty movie. Yes. This is not a Dead Like Me voiceover. This is just a Dead on Arrival voiceover. Dead Like Me was such a good show. I know, wasn't it? Yeah. I so identified with that woman. It was good. Wow, they're so Zion with their names, aren't they? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We have the Jordan River. Oh, my God. It's a river that goes from freshwater lake to a saltwater lake. To a saltwater flat nowadays. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, I think it's the Red Sea and the Dead Sea in Israel. Wow, okay. Mm, That's where it came from. And yet, Rusty gets so caught up on the name of his church, but he never seems to think about that he fetishizes other places that have other languages that are going to say his name differently anyway. So what does it really matter? He's not a particularly intelligent man. No. You're like, oh, he was a doctor. He was a surgeon. Surgeons are basically mechanics for humans. Yeah. I mean, he would have had to regurgitate some information at some point. So I guess he had good recall back mm-hmm. then. But now he just imagines that God's talking to him. So that's not great. I'm imagining that right now. No. <laughs> it's not that hard. I was going to say, though, just about the policy from 2015. You were out by then, weren't you? I was out, but I was so annoyed by it. I was like, damn it. I wish I was still in so I could get out again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that that was actually not an uncommon attitude. There were people that had not been going to church for years, and that pissed them off enough to actually go through the resignation process. That was a trigger for a lot of people who had gotten comfortable with just being low-key annoyed with it. But like that was like, all right, I'm high-key annoyed now. Yeah, exactly. My kids were not out at the time. They were still pretty young. If they had been out, I would have just told my wife that I was gone, which is what I did when my son came out because I do not want my children to ever think that I agree with anything that this organization says about the LGBTQ. I want it to be absolutely clear that they come first and this organization can go fuck itself. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Good on you, Jones. All right. The words of Mormon. Are we ready to start? Might as well get it done with. Do you want to give us the preamble, Jones? All right. The words of Mormon. Chapter one of one. I guess. Mormon abridges the large plates of Nephi. He abridges? He doesn't abridge. He bridges. There's no abridgement. Oh my God, that's so dumb. It's extremely dumb. That's the wrong word. It's abridging all of the different plates and records into the large plates of Nephi, which were not mentioned until now. And do keep in mind that meant the entire Book of Mormon plus the replacement pages. Nothing was ever said about the large plates until this, which is like the very last thing that was written for the production of the Book of Mormon. I'm guessing 
that when he first said he discovered them, it was probably just one set of plates, right? It's still one set of plates. Oh. It's still one set of plates. They're all bound together. Oh. The large plates of Nephi oh. were everything, including the oh. lost 116 pages. And then the plates of Lehi oh. is what Joseph said he translated the first time around. But again, he did come up with the story until after Lucy Harris got the pages and lost. Ah, uh, Lucy. It is one of the most documented translations from a gold-plated book in the world. Oh. We should be rejoicing in that, really. Mm. Right? I love the way they say that on the podcast. Mm -hmm. They said that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, on Saints Part what, seven or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, Mormonism is the most documented... Vision of God or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. Because there are nine or ten different versions of the story. And, <laughs> and they're all different. Everything written by L. Ron Hubbard is the most documented story of an alien coming down and chucking people into a goddamn volcano. So that doesn't mean it's true or it has any value whatsoever. If I remember the story right... There's no story in this book. Or one version of the story right... <laughs> The room where the plates were had a lot of other plates in it. Uh, yes. Like there's this whole room full of a lot of other crap. Uh, Joseph did say that within the Hill Cumorah, and not some Hill Cumorah down in South America or Central America, <laughs> but that hill right there in his backyard, deep within it, there was a chamber that had many different records and many different plates. And that was where Mormon did all his work of abridging everything into the large plates of Nephi. So they should still be able to find that vault, right? They just need some good radar or whatever they use. Mm, they just yeah. need a good uh, treasure-seeking stone. Yeah, and that's a right. Hat. Yeah, that's, I suspect that's- They've still the, got that's they do. They don't have the hat. That's the problem. Oh, they don't have. <laughs> they have a. I think they have a reproduction of the hat, but I don't think they give out the actual hat. The FLDS kept the hat. That's the Probably. problem. Probably. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, did they really keep the hat? No. I don't know. I'm completely making that up. It's HLDS Hat Latter Day Saints. They have the hat, it, but nothing else. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now they just use it for pulling rabbits out of. Sorry, I interrupted you, Jones, like I do. You need to keep reading that intro. <laughs> okay. Well, let's try it again. <laughs> the Words of Mormon, Chapter 1. Mormon abridges the large plates of Nephi. He puts the small plates with the other plates. King Benjamin establishes peace in the land. About A.D. 385. Sure. Hmm. A.D. 385, huh? Yep. I was looking through my Goodreads list list of books to read and I came across a book that suddenly had more relevance for me. It's by Brian Sykes. He's a geneticist. Oh, okay. And it's a history of genetics in America, essentially. Uh, I think that could be very interesting because I'm sure it's not going to say that Arabs somehow wound up in America and he probably yep. isn't even aware of Mormonism, although he's a very learned man, so who knows? But Yeah, there are plenty of fairly famous Mormons, so I would be surprised if she hadn't heard this bullshit story about Jews coming to America. <laughs> I think just about every like Latin American archaeologist probably hears from a Mormon once in a while. <sighs> yeah, they're like, no, you dumb motherfucker. There's no proof. This is all made up. Why do you guys keep bothering me about this? Yeah. There was even something, I think it was a Smithsonian put out because there was a story that archaeologists had used the Book of Mormon to find sites <laughs> and the Smithsonian was somehow involved. Oh my God. Yeah, that sounds like a Mormon myth. That sounds like complete horseshit, but I love it. Let's mock it. 
Do you want me to read the first three? Yeah, go for it. Verse one. And now I, Mormon, being about to deliver the record which I have been making into the hands of my son Moroni, behold, I have witnessed almost all the destruction of my people, the Nephites. And it is many hundred years after the coming of Christ that I deliver these records into the hands of my son. And it supposeth me that he will witness the entire destruction of my people. But may God grant that he may survive them, that he may write somewhat concerning them and somewhat concerning Christ, that perhaps someday it may profit them. Isn't it amazing how he just like skipped hundreds of years like that? It's like, oh, we've gone after Christ supposedly came now. It's an insertion, you know, to bridge the gap from the bullshit that Joseph just wrote to the bullshit that he wrote before. Now, if you were putting all of these plates together, why wouldn't you put this at the end or the beginning? Why in the middle where it doesn't make any sense? Because Joseph had to make an excuse for why the first portion of the Book of Mormon is so different from the second. Hmm. Like in the world mythology, if you want to call it that. Yeah. yeah. They're like transitioning between stories. It just seems so crunchy though, doesn't it? As he's putting the book together, he throws this little thing in to say, why the quality of the gold has changed or something. <laughs> he talks about plates so much that I think he might be a commercial kitchenware store or something. He's a door-to-door golden plate sales. That's right. I did that for a couple of years. Did you? Yeah, you, you did. In, in, in Holland or Norway. Or, yeah. I managed to not do that. I'm very glad I didn't. Verse 3. And now I speak somewhat concerning that which I have written. For after I made an abridgment from the plates of Nephi down to the reign of this King Benjamin, of whom Amalekai spake, I searched among the records which had been delivered into my hands, and I found these plates, which contained this small account of the prophets from Jacob down to the reign of King Benjamin, and also many of the words of Nephi. Mm. Just many. So, okay. <laughs> Basically, this is him explaining this portion of the Book of Mormon, uh, of the plates. Is it? See, he says, now after <laughs> I made the abridgment of the plates of Nephi down to the reign of King Benjamin, which is at the point where he was at, now I found these records, which are from Jacob. So for some reason, all of the plates didn't stand out to him at first. He suddenly found these other plates in the same box. Well, these were under a basket. It was in the cave. This is Mormon saying that, oh, I found these plates over here, so now I'm going to include them. Ah, and yet he writes about it like they were delivered into his hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he found them in the cave. All the records are supposedly in a cave uh-huh. in Camorra, which is where Mormon was doing all the abridging at, where he was writing everything down. And so Mormon, apparently, after he abridged the plates of Nephi, which you know is what they do in Reader's Digest for books, they compile it all uh-huh. down and keep the important parts. That was the abridged version? Well, no, the abridged version is what we lost. We don't have the abridged version. We have the small plates that go from Jacob down to the reign of King Benjamin. This confuses the living yes, fuck it's out confusing. of me. I know it's really clear in your head, Jones, mm-hmm. but I can't make heads or tails of it. Well, you're not supposed to because you're supposed to just take it on faith. Verse 4. And the things which are on these plates pleasing me because of the prophecies of the coming of Christ and my fathers knowing that many of them have been fulfilled. Yay! And I also know that as many things as have been prophesied concerning us down to this day have been fulfilled, and as many as go beyond this day must surely come to pass. 
That's a really confusing semi-sentence, isn't it? Like he's still going. I was just checking if there was a period in there anywhere and there is not. No. Verse 5. Wherefore I chose these things to finish my record upon them, which remainder of my record I shall take from the plates of Nephi, and I cannot write the hundredth part of the things of my people. But behold, I shall take these plates which contain these prophesyings and revelations and put them with the remainder of my record, for they are choice unto me, and I know they will be choice unto my brethren. Choice, man! It's choice! <laughs> Did he actually write any plates except this one? He's got a book in his own right towards the end. Oh, does he? Does he? Yeah. Third and fourth Nephi and then Mormon. Oh, yeah, Mormon. Okay, you're right. I didn't realize that there was a book of Mormon that is not the whole thing. Yeah, well, this is the words of Mormon, and then it's just called Mormon. Mind blown. Mm-hmm. How confusing is his whole religion? Very confusing. And he has a son called Moroni, which I thought was an angel, but no, it's also his son. He just reuses names. Well, no, they're the same person. Really? Uh-huh. The angel Moroni is Moroni, who was the last surviving Nephite and who took the plates that were given to him by his father, Mormon, uh. and buried them. And then he died. And then he came back as an angel to give the plates to Joseph Smith, the chosen one. No, 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 no. We learned last week that he came back as an old man to and Mary, what's her face? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's all bullshit. It's, it's all, all bullshit. bullshit. All right, I suppose I should read some of this horse shit. Verse 7. And I do this for a wise purpose. For thus it whispereth me according to the workings of the Spirit of the Lord, which is in me. And now I do not know all things. <laughs> Duh. But the Lord knoweth all things which are to come. Wherefore he worketh in me to do according to his will. And my prayer to God is concerning my brethren that they may once again come to the knowledge of God. Yay, the redemption of Christ. Oh, he sounds so excited saying something and then, yay, the this. <laughs> and they may once again be a delightsome people. <laughs> I bet that used to say white and delightsome, right? I would not be surprised. We don't know, but it could have. And now I'm Mormon, or as I like to say, murmur. I think even since a little kid, whenever I heard the word Mormon, I always thought of murmur for some reason, like heart murmur. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why. That's just what always came to mind. Proceed to finish out my record, which I take from the plates of Niffy, and I make it according to the knowledge and the understanding which God has given me. All right. Back to you, Jones. Verse 10. Wherefore, it came to pass that after Amalekai had delivered up these plates into the hands of King Benjamin, he took them and put them with the other plates, which contained records which had been handed down by the kings from generation to generation until the days of King Benjamin. Sure. And they were handed down from King Benjamin from generation to generation until they have fallen into my hands. And I, Mormon, pray to God that they may be preserved from this time henceforth. And I know that they will be preserved. For there are great things written upon them, out of which my people and their brethren shall be judged at the great and last day, according to the words of God which is written. And now, concerning this King Benjamin, he had somewhat of contentions among his own people. Ah, so he was a human. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Verse 13. And it came to pass that the army of the Lamanites, 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 Lamination, came down out of the land of Nephi to battle against his people. But behold, King Benjamin gathered together his armies, and he did stand against them, and he did fight with the strength of his own arm with the sword of Laban. So he didn't fight without his strong arm. I don't know who else's arm you could do that with unless you, like, chopped an arm off. <laughs> That's right. Wedged a sword in it and then just started swinging that around, <laughs> which would be absolutely freaking terrifying. I, I think we'd have to agree. <laughs> Spoiler, there are a lot of arm chops offs happening later in the Book of Mormon. They go full Monty Python. That's true. Mm-hmm. Joe gets pretty interested in arm chopping. Yes. Later in the book. <laughs> And in the strength of the Lord, they did contend against their enemies until they had slain many thousands of the Lamanites. And it came to pass that they did contend against the Lamanites until they had driven them out of all the lands of their inheritance. And it came to pass that after there had been false Christs, and their mouths had been shut, and they punished according to their crimes. <laughs> what do you suppose the punishment was? They had their mouths sewn shut, apparently. That's what it sounds like, yeah. That would be very medieval of them. I'm going to take it literally. I remember, Patience, you read to us what the Bible says about false prophets. That's right. They should be put to death. Mm-hmm. It's true. But first, they have to write their confession about how they did wrong, and then they have to drop dead immediately. <laughs> that's how that works. Guy, Shira. Yeah. Sharam. 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 That's right. He Zero likes winner. to share Shira. his lives around. Yeah. Shira. Shira. Shira, he man. And you know what? Yeah. More power to him. If he can manage that many wives and somehow manages to pull it off, good on him. It'd blow my mind. That's why he had so many wives, so he wouldn't have to pull it off. Ah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> 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 Okay, so uh, when you do the edit, make sure you chop out that bit where you're trying to figure out what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Anyways, what is it? Verse 16? <laughs> yeah, 16. Now, I'd just like to point out that in verse 15, Brother Benjamin started a sentence that doesn't get finished until I finish reading, which is the end of the book. Yep, that's a long-ass sentence. That's true. <laughs> So I'm going to start mid-sentence here, all right? Alrighty. <clears throat> and after there had been false prophets, he's just said all of this, and false preachers and teachers among the people and all these having been punished according to their crimes. And after there having been much contention and many dissensions away from the Laminationites, <laughs> behold, it came to pass that King Benjamin, with the assistance of the holy prophets, oh, he needed assistance. I thought his arm was strong enough, wanking for years and spooging on the holy wall, and his arm was just really rock solid. Maybe it was a prophet's arm he was swinging around with the sword in it. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. There you go. With the assistance of the holy prophets who were among his people, M Dash. <laughs> he loves his M Dashes. For behold, King Benjamin was a holy man, and he did reign over his people in righteousness, semen colon. And there were many holy men in the land, comma, and they did speak the word of God. God with power and with authority. You know what? I don't care if they spoke with authority or with power. All I care about is what God said. So why are you just 
Ah, you're so annoying. Seaman Colin. And they did use much sharpness. Ah, oh, he's still describing it without actually saying what it is. Mm-hmm. Because of the stiff nakedness of that old chestnut of the people. M dash. <sighs> Verse 18. Wherefore, with the help of these, King Benjamin, by labouring with all the might of his body, the baby was born. No. And the faculty of his whole soul. And also the prophets did once more establish peace in the land. Yeah, what a load of horseshit. Obscuring bullshit to try and convince you to not remember that the first part of the Book of Mormon is completely different than the second part. And he doesn't explain it very well. When I was reading this, like I was trying to remember what you'd said about it, Jones, but I really couldn't put it together in my head what the fuck he was talking about with all of these extra plates. And I'm just like... Like, what's going where? I don't think it's very clear. And how is anyone supposed to know it's in a cave when he says they're being delivered into his arms? That's where he did all the compiling. And then he gave his compilation to his son, Moroni. And Moroni went and he watched all the Nephites get massacred. And he was the last Nephite left. And then he took those plates and he carried them around. And then right before he died, he buried them on the top of the hill that his dad's compiling room was in. He put them in a box on top of that hill. So Joseph found them in a box and deeper inside the hill. Uh, he liked to go deeper, Jones. It was where all the other other plates and records were at. Joseph Smith and his endless boxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was quite the traveler, Moroni. Oh, really? He supposedly, in Mormon folklore, dedicated the site of a temple in Manti, Utah. Manti? Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure is a good 2,000 miles away, at least. At least. Wow. From Palmyra, New York. <laughs> If you go along with the Heartland model, which was the original, it all happened here in North America, that's what the original saints were believing in. Then he went from Palmyra, New York to Manti, Utah, back to Palmyra, New York and bury the plates. However, if you agree with the limited geography model, which is the one that they had to come up with after it was obvious that there was no structures or anything matching what was talked about in the Book of Mormon, and so they said, oh, well, it must have happened down in Central and South America. Then he tracked all the way from somewhere in Central or South America, all the way up to Manti, Mm -hmm. and then from Manti all the way over to the Hill Cumorah, which was the second Hill Cumorah, not the the actual hill Kamara where all the Nephites died, which is down in South America. So he did a lot of traveling. It's not the limited traveling model, is it? <laughs> right. But luckily he had a horse-drawn chariot. It's the limited intelligence model, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I know plenty of smart Mormons. <laughs> I know. But it's not about intelligence. It really isn't. No, it's yeah, exactly. It's not about intelligence. I wish it was as simple as that, but nothing in life is really ever that simple. Nope. Nope. I mean, you know. Like, I, I think the reason I'm not Mormon isn't because I logic my way out of it. Mm. It didn't work for me. Yeah. And then later when I had distance, I was like, it doesn't make logical sense. But right. I don't think I logic out. I think it didn't fit me. And that's how I got out. That's interesting. You know, when I think yeah. about how I got out of Christianity, I think for a long time, it didn't fit me either. It was causing me a lot of anxiety, believing those things because I took it very seriously. Me too. So yep. I think that that made 
me want to look for other options. Logic was very important to me too. I always thought while I was in there that I could make it make sense logically. I thought that creation science was real. I thought that those creation science books I read from the Creation Science Foundation mm-hmm. were legitimate. Ken Ham, thank you. Yeah, Ken Ham. He's one of yours. You fucking Australian. <laughs> You're a ham, Ken Ham. Yeah, but he built his ark in our country. I don't know what the hell that was about. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, we're we're a country of a bunch of Christian nationalists. It was the easiest place for him to be able to build it. He fits more in your country than in ours. Yeah, exactly. He got a hell of a lot more government handouts and tax breaks than he ever would have gotten in his home country. (laughs) Probably. Still failing, though, or so I hear. Oh, we can only hope. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he comes out as atheist eventually. There's people in my family who I think are really smart people who just know that there's stuff, but they get value out of it. And so they just put it in the category of, I guess that's something I'm just not going to understand. The shelf. And yeah, they live with that. And A very common Mormon refrain is, oh, we don't understand everything, but we'll find out in the afterlife. Right. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, it makes no fucking sense whatsoever what's going on now here in this life but it'll all work out in the next life it's so interesting too that mormonism has come up with a term for this particular process called putting it on your shelf it's like just put it on your shelf i think other religions have other words for it but nothing that's quite as succinct as that yeah they systematized it instead of just go and pray about it and await further knowledge but no they've got a system for it the whole idea of the shelf actually came from the faithful lds world and you know the concept of the shelf breaking that's the ex-mormon i put so much shit on my shelf like you told me to the shelf's broken that's right yeah that's a pretty good analogy <laughs> yeah really there's too much shit on my shelf i'm out this was not a structural member holding the shelf up it broke christy watched under the banner of heaven this week oh yeah the which is thing? good because that means i didn't have to watch it mm-hmm. uh, i've only seen the first <laughs> episode but uh, someday i'm gonna finish it i am not gonna watch that that sounds so boring i just don't care about true crime at all mm-hmm. it's like yeah we know these horrible things happen and yeah extremists do all sorts of things and i know that it's not representative of the great majority of people that call themselves latter-day saints and i know it's an extreme group but religion gets extreme sometimes and bad mm-hmm. shit happens this is why you put things on a shelf now <laughs> instead of pray about them because <laughs> you start praying about them <laughs> You get extreme. You You start hearing from God. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. You hear from God and God says, you know, kill your brother's wife. That's crazy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And apparently the official church or whatever, the so-called church, however you want to put it, is being pretty silent on it. Bednar talked briefly about it in his press conference. Oh, that's right. I watched that because I'm going to roast him in a couple of weeks, y'all. We're going to roast Bednar. Apparently, Jones won't be there, unfortunately. They have mentioned it briefly just to say, you know what? This was an extremist group and they were not officially part of our religion. But that's all they've said about it. Yeah. They've neglected to say that only the killers and their close people were part of this extremist religion. They neglect to address the, hey, Mormons were really fucking weird back then. Oh, what's the shit with acting like you're slitting your throat, disemboweling yourself in the temple? What's that about? Well, they're not going to talk about that. And that whole blood um, atonement Blood atonement. Blood atonement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Which, a yeah. thing from Brigham. Brigham, yeah. I read it in the history book. 
that I read on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely a real doctrine. So crazy. I think in general, the LDS church mostly doesn't comment on stuff like that other than to say, that's not who we really are. Yeah. I think they've made a PR-related decision and maybe a smart one, I don't know, that they're not doing themselves any favors by generating free press for people are putting on stuff that they don't agree with. (laughs) (laughs) That they're better off just saying that doesn't represent us than blowing it all up and drawing a lot more eyes. Mm. Right. Especially if it draws the eyes of like their own people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, with modern media, if they tried to do a very detailed explanation of why this is not the mainstream Mormon church. Nobody's going to read that shit. So I, I think the way they're approaching it is smart. Oh, yeah. There's some intelligent people up there on that quorum of 12. It's their PR department. Uh You wouldn't get as big as you are if you didn't have like a decent product. Right. You know, it's not a perfect product, but there's a marketplace out there. and You can spin it. You don't get that many millions without having something that speaks to some people at least. Oh, it speaks to people all the time. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, no worries. It seems that the skunks have gotten the better of Gigi. Maybe we'll never see her again. I'm not sure. Oh, well. Hopefully so. Next week we have Saints 9 for whoever's up for it. Yep. Thanks so much, guys. You get to bed at a normal hour tonight. Looks like it.